1: Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 7 of 365 Days. So where we left off, they caught that flight to some other town in Sicily and Domenico beat them there. (laughs) There was some sexual assault and then she got dressed up to go to the club. And she dressed up like a whore because she was like, if you like whores so much, I'll give you a whore. And I guess that's her form of rebellion. Whereas I would sort of just try and escape. She's like, well, I'll lean into it and give you exactly what you want. So she starts this chapter describing the club Nostro. It reflects Massimo's personality perfectly. Uh I don't know how. She just says that there's bounces. There's an elegant dark interior. There's alcoves, you know, with heavy drapes, walls of ebony and the dim light of candles. I mean, does that read Massimo? Not really, not really. And then she's saying that there's bartenders standing behind a long black bar covered in quilted leather and they're all women and they're wearing tight fitting bodysuits and high heels and their wrists have leather straps imitating manacles. So yeah, that's sort of Massimo-ish, but this place just sounds like a mess a leather bar, and then heavy drapes with candles, again with the drapes and the candles. Then she says they pass a bar and the crowd of bodies lazily moving to the rhythm of the music. Just lazily moving. (laughs) Just lazily moving to the rhythm of the music. Well, it must be a slow song. So then they walk past the bar and a massive bouncer pulls back more drapes. This is just a drape factory, this bar. And he pulls the drape back to reveal another room, which is a cavernous hall with massive dark wood sculptures in the form of conjoined bodies. Yuck. What is this place? And then in the corner of this cavernous hall, <laughs> oh, there's another corner with transparent curtains covering an alcove. Transparent curtains. There's, there's a lot going on in this bar. I'll tell you that. And inside this alcove, there's a dancing pole. She calls it a dancing pole. We all know it's a stripper pole. And there's a sofa that has satin lining, gross. So her and Domenico sit down. They haven't met Massimo yet. And then all these waiters apparently are bringing appetizers and alcohol and a tray covered with a silver dome. And so she reaches out for the tray on instinct, she says. She's just very handsy and Domenico slaps her hand away. And gives her a glass of wine instead. And he tells her, we've got some other people coming, just doing some business, just be chill. And so she downs the champagne and then she asks Domenico for a refill. And then Domenico's like, oh, shit's about to hit the fan because Massimo's walking in with several men. And when Massimo sees her, he freezes in perfect stillness and he stares at her coldly. And she's thinking, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have dressed like a hooker. So he grabs her and he says, what the fuck are you wearing? And she's like, only what you picked out for me, which is a great point, but Massimo's furious. So she decides to sit down and reaches for another glass of champagne. If I was to play a piece of decor, I might as well be a very drunk piece of decor, she says. So then she's just sitting there drinking champagne, watching the room, watching the goings on, just watching Massimo speak Italian. And she says, He was so sexy when he spoke Italian. (laughs) And then Domenico opens the dome from the silver platter and she looks at what it was and she nearly chokes. It's cocaine, the drug. (laughs) She says, it was cocaine, the drug. Like, oh, okay. I was getting it confused with Coca-Cola. Thank you for clarifying that it's cocaine, the drug. And she says it's already divided into several dozen neat little lines covering the entire platter. Now that's service. (laughs) Pre-cut cocaine, wow So she knows Massimo's watching So she gets up and then she bends over to scratch her leg But really she just wants to show him how short her dress is And so Massimo's like, don't provoke me, girl And then she says, why? Are you afraid I'm doing it well? And then she trails her tongue along her lower lip (laughs) Just imagine that for a second A tongue along a lower lip (sighs) Not attractive, not attractive And then she says, my dress is so short, you could enter me without even taking it off. (sighs) And then she grabs his hand, uh, she grabs his hand and she uh, led it down her waist and then under the fabric of the dress. And she says, white lace, just the way you like it. And then she goes back into the little alcove area, but she shoots a glance back at Massimo And he's got his hands in his pockets and a wide smile on his face. She says he was into that stuff. (laughs) I just think he's got his hands in his pockets because he's trying to hide his boner. Oh no, so she hasn't gone back into their particular alcove. She's gone back out into the hall where there's the music playing and she can see people dancing, drinking and fucking in the private alcoves. So she's just witnessing all of that. But She says, I paid them no mind, even though she's clearly noticed it and everything. So she downs a glass of champagne. Then she gets another glass of champagne. And then she gets another glass of champagne. And she says that's how she spent the next hour or more just downing champagne after champagne after champagne. This girl can put it back. And then she says, I was suitably drunk. So I headed back to those junkies in the alcove. (laughs) So she's calling them junkies because they've got a nice silver tray of cocaine. But she just had at least like 13 champagnes in a row. So like, you know, glass houses, stones. She's judging them for a little bit of coke, but she's just done a lot of binge drinking. And really like, what's the difference? But now back in the hotel, there's women everywhere purring and brushing against their legs, arms and crutches like horny cats. (laughs) And she says they were all beautiful and all hookers. Well, like, how do you know that, Laura? Did you check their tax returns? How do you know they're all hookers, babe? So then she spots the dancing pole. She's still calling it the dancing pole. And she says it was free, as in no one's using it. And she tells us that when she first moved to Warsaw, she started taking pole dancing lessons. And she tells us pole dancing is just like gymnastics, only on a pole. (laughs) Thank you for that wonderful insight, Laura. And so apparently running up that hill by placebo was blasting on the speakers. And she thought, wow, what a great tune to strip a dance to. So she gets up on that pole and she just, she knows that Massimo's gonna blow a gasket as soon as she gets up there. And she's like, I can't do all of my favorite moves because my dress is too short. So she doesn't want to show her lace white panties to people. So she does a pirouette on the pole and all the men lose interest in their hookers and are staring at her. And she's like, "Haha, ha, gotcha now. And she says, that the few years where she hadn't practised had done nothing to blunt her talent. So she's saying that she's talented on a pole. Good for her. She remembered all the motions and could do it without breaking a sweat. (laughs) She says, dancing came naturally to me. I had danced since I could remember. Whether it was pole dancing, ballroom dancing, or Latino, it always soothed me. Because what's more soothing than dancing on a pole in a room full of hookers and blow? She's soothed, guys. So then Massimo gets up and is standing next to her. So she wraps a leg around him and runs her fingers through his hair and says, a very interesting choice of music for a nightclub, meaning this placebo song. And he says, as you've noticed, this is a club, not a disco. What's, what's the difference? Why This isn't a disco, it's a club. Uh, okay. And then he grabs her by her throat and says, you'll be mine. I promise you that. And then I'll take you when and where I want. So all the chit chat about the differences between a club and a disco, that's just thrown out the window. So she goes to step down from the pedestal and one of the other men gets up and grabs her by the wrist and pulls her towards him. And she falls face first into the sofa. And so this guy, he pulls up her dress And then grabs her butt and slaps it and shouts something in Italian. So a scuffle must ensue. She doesn't really tell us. She just says, Domenico grabs her. And then she looks up and Massimo's holding the man who had just groped her. And Massimo's got a gun and he's pointing it at him. And she's like, calm down, man in black. He didn't know who I was. And then Don Massimo nods or something and all the women in the room disappear, such as his power. And he pushes the guy down and aims the gun at his head. And she's like, oh no, this is reminding me of the driveway incident. <laughs> so she's remembering the driveway incident without actually being at the driveway. And that's that's a significant step. And she says to Domenico, he can't kill him. And Domenico says, oh yes, he can. The young Italian replied. She's still calling him the young Italian. <sighs> Domenico says, oh yes, he can. And he will. <laughs> And then she hears a gunshot. She doesn't see it, but she hears it. And I guess she faints a little bit because the music's dying down and then her body hits soft pillows. And then Domenico pushes a pill under her tongue and he says, now, now, Laura, calm down. And her heart is pounding like crazy because remember she has a heart condition. And then she says the door to the room swung open and Massimo barged in with the gun behind his belt. So I don't know what room they're in. I mean, she's... Drunk as a skunk and has just been slipped a pill. So I don't know if much time has passed. They could be in a different location. Anyway, she says to Massimo, did you kill him? And he says, nah, I only shot off his hands. They won't be touching you again. (laughs) Wow, dramatic. That's a very biblical reaction. And they must still be at the nightclub. They must just be in another little alcove room. And she says, I want to go back to the hotel. And she tries to stand up, but the mix of the pill with the alcohol made the whole room whirl. What was this pill? But then the Man in Black's carrying her through the back office and then through the kitchen and then finally out the back exit. And then she falls asleep in the limo. Then she gets her consciousness back at the hotel. And she can hear Massimo fighting with the laces of her boots, swearing like a sailor. And she says, there's a zipper on the back, you idiot. So then they have a little fight about her dressing like a whore. So then he jumps on top of her, grabs her wrists, pins them above her head. Then he's thrusting his tongue inside her mouth and she's moaning, writhing beneath him. She said, I wasn't going to fight him this time. I didn't want to. And I'm thinking maybe it's because of all the alcohol and the pill that you got slipped. Maybe you're not in your right mind. And she says his tongue pushed inside me deeper and deeper and harder. And how long is his tongue? Like. That's not normal. That that must be a long tongue. I'm thinking like Jim Carrey in The Mask, you know, when his tongue ro- unrolls onto the table. That's what I'm picturing because there's no way that a human has a tongue that long that it can be so deep all the time in her mouth. And then he's saying, when I saw you dance, fuck, why do you do this? Are you trying to prove something, testing my limits? I get to decide what the limits are, not you. Huh. <sighs> You'd think he'd be grateful that this figment of his imagination turned out to be a real human being, but no, he just wants to control her. And then she's like, well, I was just having a good time. Now get off me, I need a drink. And he's like, you need a what? And she says, a drink. And I'm thinking, Massimo's right. You don't need a drink. You're drunk and you have been drugged. But she gets up, she walks over to the table, pouring herself a glass of amber liquid from a carafe. And then Muslim was like, Laura, don't drink spirits. Not after taking your medication and all the champagne you had at the club. This isn't a good idea. Okay, so the pill was her heart medication. Now, maybe maybe a pharmacist would suggest not mixing your pill and all the champagne. <sighs> maybe it's one of those things you need to take on like a full stomach and she hasn't eaten in days. I, don't, I just don't think it's a good idea the Domenico to be the one deciding when and under what circumstances you have your heart medication. And not only is she mixing her drugs with alcohol, she's mixing the types of alcohol, which is never a good idea. It always leads to a hangover. And then she goes out on the balcony and the evening was wonderful. The heat had dissipated and the air seemed fresh, even though we were in downtown Rome. Wh- what? Rome? When did they get to Rome? When did they get to Rome? She said they were in Sicily. This is the first time she's ever said they're in Rome. uh, uh, How could they be in Rome? She just said she was in Sicily like that morning and now she's in Rome, downtown Rome. Uh, Since when? I'm starting to suspect it was a typo when she said that they flew to another town in Sicily. Maybe she meant Rome. But then again, how did Domenico beat them to the hotel? Was there a time jump? I don't think there was a time jump. Oh, God.
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: So she keeps drinking the spirits and then she starts to feel a bit drowsy and sleepy and her head is swimming. And she says, I didn't usually drink spirits. Now I knew why. The spinning in my head made walking difficult. Maybe it's to do with the pill and the alcohol. Oh, never mind. Never mind. So then she goes back into the room and Massimo was lying in bed with a laptop on his legs. He was naked, not counting the tight fitting CK boxes. So he's not naked. I hate how she's like he's naked, but he's wearing underwear. Well, then he's not naked. So she is super turned on. So she lets her dress fall off her body. And she thought she was being all super sexy. But then she trips over her dress. Her right ankle got tangled in the dress. And then her left foot stepped on the fabric and she fell to the carpet with a yelp. (laughs) Then she says, Masamo materialized above me like that first night when I had bumped into him at the club. Materialized from the bed. They're in the same room, but he's materialized in front of her. So he got up from the bed. So then he says, are you all right? And then the white lace thong slides down to her ankles and she says, take me. And then she spreads her legs wide. Okay. And then Massimo kisses her, puts a blanket over it. And he says, I told you it was a bad idea for you to drink. Good night. And I'm thinking, oh, well that's nice. Massimo's finally demonstrating a, a basic understanding of consent. He's, in my head, he's thinking, you know what she's drunk I shouldn't take advantage of her so he's saying good night good guy good for him not too bad after all but she's annoyed so she goes to slap him but he catches her wrist and then he ties it to the pillar of the bed and so he just ties her to the bed frame and she's screaming let me go and he says good night and then he leaves the room and turns off the light and then she's woken by the summer sun shining through the window the next day and she's in pain, she's got a headache, but also she couldn't feel her hands because they're numb because she's been tied to the bed all night. And he didn't just use like a bathrobe string. He used handcuffs because there's the sound of metal scraping against wood, which is totally fucked up. She was so drunk, she could have vomited in her sleep and choked on her own vomit and died or pissed herself. I mean, she's had a lot of liquid. She had like 48 champagnes at the bar and then she was knocking back the spirits in the room. Uh, She never said she went to the bathroom. So she's probably pissed herself overnight because he handcuffed her to a bed. What a psycho. And she can't remember anything except for the pole dance. And so she just assumes that her and Massimo have had sex. So she's screaming. She's saying, fuck, shit, fuck. And then Domenico comes in. And Domenico... The young Italian he just stands there and watches her and smiles for a bit and she says, Don't just stand there, help me out. So then the young Italian walks over and frees her hands. So then Domenico leaves, he says, Massimo's gone for the day, but I'll have breakfast ready for you in the living room so she has a shower. Uh, we've always got to hear about her having a shower. And then he says at breakfast, Oh did you have fun yesterday? And she says, No not really. Um but I can't remember anything, so And she says that she only remembers the pole dance. And Domenico's like, yeah, you're very flexible. And then he just says, oh, Don Massimo took you to your room. And she's like, and he fucked me. And Domenico's like, well, I doubt that. I mean, I wasn't there, but it's sort of not his style. And when he came out of the room, he didn't look satisfied. And Domenico's just trying to be a bit discreet and not say you're a drunken mess And he handcuffed you to a bed, but she starts prodding him and he says, oh, fine, you got drunk and got naughty. So he tied you to the bed and went to sleep. And she sighs with relief because that's the appropriate reaction. Oh, oh, he didn't fuck me. He just tied me to a bed. Oh, thank God. And then after she sighs, Domenico says, oh, stop it, you. (laughs) Oh, stop it, you. Eat something. So then she tells us that they spent three days in Rome and she didn't see Massimo at all. So her and Domenico just spent time together the three days, just walking around Rome, eating together, shopping together, going to the spa together. Like what a great little holiday for Domenico. And then over lunch, looking out at the Spanish steps, she's like, God damn it. I have a right to know what he's doing. What the hell is he doing? He hasn't even called. I don't even know if he's alive. (laughs) She's just being super dramatic. And Domenico's like, yeah, he's alive. And then on the third day at breakfast, The young Italian. He's like, you're leaving Rome today. So she gets ready. She puts her hair in a high pony. She says she's getting more and more tanned so she can put less makeup on, just mascara. And I remember you saying you have makeup tattooed onto your skin, but no, okay. She only needs a light mascara because of the tan. Wink, wink. Like, yeah, just a tan. It's like when someone's had Botox and you're like, wow, you look really good. What have you done differently? And they're like, You know, just lots of water and moisturiser, wink, wink. And it's like, okay, come on, you got the bow. You got the bow. No, nothing to be ashamed of. You got the bow, be happy, be proud. But don't play it off like you're just hydrated. So without knowing where she was going and it being a hot day, she's like, well, I'll just wear blue denim shorts and a tiny white top that barely covers my small breasts. See, she's still telling us that her breasts are small. Like, we don't care how big your boobs are, Laura. I'm more interested in your health and safety. Your mental well being, your emotional well-being. I don't really care about the size of your tits. Oh, and also she's not wearing underwear. Just just so you all know. So Domenico puts her in a car. She's gonna be hanging out with Claudio during her trip. Okay. And she's just being super bitter Betty. She can't believe that Massimo's abandoned her for three days. And she's thinking, was it possible I was missing Massimo? So then she calls her mum in the car and her mum's like, not happy that Laura's not visiting her in Poland because her mum thinks she's in Poland and Laura just must be like, oh, I'm too busy to pop in and see you. Why has her mum not like gone past her place or something? I I don't know, but Laura's mum seems a bit useless. She's not someone you'd want in your corner in a pinch. Like if you were kidnapped, well, Laura is kidnapped, but like if you were kidnapped and you were trying to give like a coded message to your family to be like, I'm not safe. Here's where I am. Come get me. But you're like pretending so it doesn't tip off your captors. She wouldn't get it. Any hints you dropped, Laura's mum would be like, that's nice, dear. And just continue on with her day. So Laura's mum's useless. Laura's useless. And then the car's driving towards a large port filled to the brim with luxury yachts. So then an old man dressed in all white comes out and he opens the door for her and he says, welcome to Porto di Fiumicino, Laura. I am Fabio (laughs) and I'll take you to your boat. Fabio. Fabulous. So they're walking along the dock and then they stopped to board the yacht. She raises her head and gapes. Before her was the Titan. So she didn't notice the boat until she got to the end of the dock. (laughs) But if it's okay, if it's that big, she would have seen it at the start of the dock. But okay. Oh, apparently the yacht is nearly 300 feet long. It has 12 guest cabins a jacuzzi, a cinema, spa, gym, as well as a large pool and a helicopter pad. But no, she only saw it at the end of the dock. And she says, not too shabby, picking her jaw up from the floor. So again, very reminiscent of Jim Carrey and the mask. (laughs) And apparently she enters on the first of six decks and finds herself in a grand living room, which is only partially roofed. Okay. Most of the furniture was white with steel gray details. Even even though it's a luxury yacht, it's still tackily furnished because this is Massimo. We're talking about everything he has is tackily furnished. I'm surprised there's no drapes. I'm surprised it's not a luxury yacht full of drapes and candles. Oh, and the floor is made of glass, which doesn't seem very appropriate for a boat. I guess it's a glass bottom boat. Uh, The floor was made of glass. Okay. Then there's the dining room and then the jacuzzi. So then she's looking around and all the tables are filled with vases filled with white roses, except for one table, which doesn't have any flowers. Instead, there was a gigantic ice bucket filled with bottles of Moët. And so then Fabio, he comes over with a glass filled with the champagne and she says, did they all think I was some kind of alcoholic? My only way of dealing with free time being binging on champagne. And like, you can tell she's a bit incredulous, but like, yes. That's exactly what they think of you. Earlier in this chapter, you said, if I'm gonna be a piece of decor, I may as well be drunk decor, which indicates to me that yes, your only way of dealing with free time is by binging on champagne. This is a pattern of behavior. Every chapter you've been binging on champagne. You love binging on champagne. Why are you getting offended that they're offering you moe? So then she asks Fabio to leave her alone, So she says, I stayed on the deck observing the sea, slowly downing my glass, then I had another one, and one more, and so on until the bottle was empty. Oh, how dare they think you like binging on champagne? Proceeds to binge on champagne. Like, does she see what she's doing? She has no self-awareness. And then she says, the hangover I was still suffering from started dissipating, but only because I was drunk again. So she's done that whole thing being like, hungover, better keep drinking. That'll stop the hangover. But it was days ago. It was three days ago since she got drunk and she's still hungover? That's not a good sign. And then the Titan leaves the port and as the land disappeared over the horizon, she could only think about how she regretted ever visiting Sicily. Well, as far as I know, you were still in Sicily, but now you're in Rome. You're in the port of Fiumicino. But I get a point. She says, I dreamed of not meeting Masumo and not becoming his savior. Well, like, Laura, you weren't really his savior. He, he was in a coma and he had a vision of someone that looked like you. Don't get a savior complex. And then she hears a familiar voice behind her that says, what the hell are you wearing this time? So it's always a familiar voice behind her and it's always Masumo. Like, just say, I heard Masumo's voice behind me. And then she says, I spun and nearly bumped into him just like when we had first met. Like she's uh, five pages ago. She said, he miraculously appeared in front of me just like when we first met. Uh, This is just the most repetitive book. Uh, And she's immediately angry. She says, I look how I want to look and it's none of your business because you left me without a word and you're treating me like some doll you play with whenever you feel like it. But today that doll wants to be left alone. So she gets up from the sofa because apparently she's on a sofa now. And then she grabs another bottle of champagne and staggers toward the stern. And she says, the shoes I had on didn't make walking any easier. Which is again, another little bit of commentary that we get all the time. She can't walk on her shoes. Hilarious. So then Massimo starts calling out after her and she starts running down the stairs trying to escape him. And that's the last thing she remembers. And that's the end of the chapter. We've got a cliffhanger on our hands. I ran down the steps and dot, dot, dot. That was the last thing I remember. So what a wonderful use of an ellipses for dramatic effect. My assumption is that she's passing out because of her heart condition. Her heavily foreshadowed, but as yet unexplained heart condition. And I guess we'll find out next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to BreakingDownPod at gmail.com or on Twitter at PodBreakingDown and Instagram at BreakingDownBadBooks.